is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. And as you might notice, we're in different digs a little bit. Uh, kind of looks like we're in a, a space studio, Dan. Well, only if they're watching a video, because again, this is a podcast. It's an audio format first and foremost, but we are in the Blue Wire Studios in Las Vegas for the first stop of the Chelsea Summer Tour, Nick. It's sexy. There's no doubt about it. It is uh, a delight. Uh, we look far more professional than we actually are, which, you know, again, just for appearances sake, um, you know, isn't a bad thing for us. Yeah, I know. I know about me. What about the studio? <laughs> All right. Anyways, anyways, I'll bring yes. it back. It's my own, my yes. own fault. Nice. Uh, yeah, look, we are at the Blue Wire studio. Those of you know, we are affiliated with Blue Wire. They're our friends on the backside. Uh, they kind of help everything come together for us. And they have this beautiful studio in Las Vegas, which we we're able to take part in. And so you're going to get a an exciting show here. Um, yeah. And, and a part of it, we actually have some friends from Patreon that are actually here watching us live just on the other side of that wall. Uh, there's perks to, to being a part of the fam, huh, Dan? Well, this is something that we wanted to do for a long time. You know, obviously, there was the match that was going to happen that didn't happen, the Arsenal and Chelsea match in Las Vegas that we had initially planned with our friends at Blue Wire and with our community to do a live pod here last time. That didn't happen, so we're doing this one. We're doing this one here with a wonderful cast and crew of our wonderful supporters, and we want to thank them, and this is uh, the way that we did that, Nick. And so we're excited to get into a little bit of the summer conversation because this pod's going to drop the day of the first preseason match, and we just want to cover off on a couple of, of important topics. Yeah, we're doing this uh, like an hour or two before we go to the RERA yep. for, our, for our live pod, which will inevitably be a far more drunk experience than this. <laughs> um, but uh, well, it's because there's no an, a no open container rule in smart. the studio. It's actually really smart. Very but, smart. Yeah, look, these guys are pros. They know what's going on. Um, but yeah, shouts to Ishan, who's here, our... Our lovely social media manager who has been on it all the time. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Busby, Busby, of course, as well. Yep. Head of security, the newest hire into the <laughs> yeah. London is Blue family. She's uh, she's kicking ass and taking names. So uh, this, is, uh, this is a full team yeah. that we got going. It's awesome. It is absolutely awesome. We're going to have friends Matt uh, Law and Nisar Kinslow with us as well throughout the weekend. Maybe even Simon Johnson, Adam Newsom. Just, you know, we're going to be taking it all in. So we're glad you guys are here with us. Um, a, a reminder jump on Patreon. There are some cool stuff they do throughout the year. Owen just added as well. We're excited to have Owen with us. We always want the Apple Pie five-star reviews, uh, the Spotify. Aren't they five-star as well? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. So you keep it simple. I thought Spotify maybe would try to do something different, hey, but we they know, didn't. We know you've been off for a couple of weeks, but come on. It's been quite a few He's weeks. rounding back into form, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yes. He's a Golo Conte after an injury. Live come in on. person. Well, you got to be careful comparing anyone to N'Golo Conte right now as he's sitting at home training with uh, the reserves. Anyways, wood. Yes. Um, and then obviously this is stop one of three. We will be there throughout the entire tour. Charlotte up next, Orlando. We do have live pods there. So if you're going to be in one of those cities and you're looking uh, to connect with us, hurry up and check out our socials because they are filling up very quickly. Vegas is full. Uh, Charlotte is almost full and Orlando. Now, Vegas is, is not entirely well. full. Let's just okay. well, Can we just talk about this? Okay. So we're, we're putting all this work in. We're like, man, I hope people come out to these things. Uh, and, and Nick Verlaney promoted it initially, and nobody signed up. But then Ishan did a good job of promoting it, and lots of people signed my up. My feelings are hurt. But at the end of the day, the result is that we have a ton of people yes. who are going to come out and see us. And it's incredible. Like yeah. You guys have made us feel uh, amazing about this whole live pod experience. And it's something that I'm never going to forget because I think we're in for a real treat. Yeah. 
yeah, 500 of our closest friends going to be hanging out with us through the entire tournament. But look, we could talk about all that stuff, or we could actually talk about a podcast, which is what we're here to do. No, pass. Uh, and it's been a little bit fun. Um, we've had some signings. Uh, it sounds like Koulibaly is on his way to Vegas to come hang out with us as we speak. Yeah. Raheem Sterling did his uh, photo shoot in L.A., did his goodbye to, to Man City fans to make it official. Um, and apparently Good Vibes FC is returning. Todd Bully is in the kitchen, Nick, cooking up a seven-course meal right now. And for all the fans that were anxious and ornery and were like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, he got Lukaku out of the way, and now they are just going at it, just one name at a time. Yeah, I think it's a really important place to start, right? Because I, I understand, especially after the last four months of uncertainty, right? There, It was a pretty hectic time for Chelsea Football Club why our supporters would be antsy, right? I think it's a fair enough point, too, because, you know, Man City and Liverpool are, are already kind of taken off this summer. They already have their their squads put together, and it felt like we were lagging behind a little bit. But to me, uh, what the team is starting to do and what the ownership group is starting to do is much more of a cohesive plan than even I thought was going to be put together at this stage because you have to remember that these guys are just starting to understand the club and staff that they're playing with and the organization, you know, beyond just the playing staff, right, Dan? I mean, this is a large, large organization that they have to understand the ins and outs of, and it's already starting to pay dividends. Well, you're seeing Chelsea go out and do all this branded, co-branded content with the Dodgers. You're seeing Jorginho hit some dingers in the batting cages. (laughs) The atmosphere that's carrying forward from their social media, which isn't always the truest reflection, so it is a little bit of the sanitized, like this is what we want you to see, is extremely positive. And I think everything we're reading from our friends Matt and Naz, from Simon, is that the mood is positive. When you see Melling Sar and Raheem Sterling having a conversation about, so are you a center back or a left back? What's going on here? Yes, yes, I am. Yes, yes. Um, There's generally good atmosphere and good vibes that, maybe we weren't anticipating at this point because we just got out of a really, frankly, shit moment Yeah, for being a part of the club. And we're seeing the fact that, you know, obviously there was a moment for a lot of concern around just in workplace behavior, workplace treatment at Chelsea that Todd Bowley has come in and committed to addressing and improving, improving that. There's been uncertainty about what's happening with some of the staff, the non-playing, non-football staff, the operational staff. There's been a lot of turnover at the top. And the fact that we're starting to see some really positive momentum, some smiles returning to faces of players, to Thomas Tuchel even looking happy again, Brandon, which is another thing. Take a part of training. He's out there running. Oh, look, he, you know, he's trying to relive those center back days. I mean, good for him. Um, can, can we just quickly talk about Todd addressing the charges yesterday? Do you see the photo of of Bully with the whole team, and he has like the best like stepdad energy going on? You mean it's, the tucked in gray T shirt to his jeans? And it just it looks like a guy who wants to be more present and like communicate with people, which I think is, you know, look, there are a lot of great things that happened during the Roman era, but that the communication was not a strong suit of this group. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, we've we've gone preseason. He took him to L.A. where he has probably his team, his home base, a lot of comforts. Uh, you know, he's been out having beautiful dinners in Barcelona, 
Maybe, maybe, <laughs> Todd likes to maybe eat, my in, man. Todd likes to Milan. eat, and he feasts, and Brings he just goes and gets it done. Binders of notes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, but here we are. So the the first completion of transfers was Raheem Sterling. Uh, a little bit surprised because it's not an area of over need unless there's players trying to exit. We did our kind of keep so long where we we did teams. I'm like, well, you have enough attackers. We definitely need defenders. I think we need to retool the midfield, but you at least have options in attack. We knew Lukaku was going to be gone. Um, one thing that Matt Law has talked about that lacks at Chelsea is leadership. And especially if you're going to lose potentially an Aspie Laqueta and a Jorginho in one summer, you need to replace it. And he said that Raheem Sterling is third in line for the captaincy in the England squad. He's had to go through a lot. Sounds like he has a leadership role in Man City. He's involved in the community. Uh, he does check that box. And to hear Mason and Reese and some of the English players that we have in the team talk about him, um, they obviously aren't going to say anything bad. But like they, it looks like they're genuinely excited, Nick, about Raheem, the dream Sterling, coming into Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, he's a player who has a huge amount of pedigree uh, you know and, and you look at the way that he's performed at his previous stops at both Liverpool and Man City you look at the way he's performed with England there's a ton 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 of potential there with him and we've talked about the ability for Chelsea to finish some of the numerous chances that we've created over the years that is the the area in which I want to see us become a lot more efficient so while I don't think he he will play the role of provider necessarily dan this is a a guy that clearly comes in and helps us from uh, the start of the season and given the amount of rotation that i think is going to happen over the course of the year uh he's probably going to get some minutes and probably going to get some rest well when you talk about the fact that tuchel underlined the he was the signing that we were after and i think that speaks volumes to the power that Tuchel has at this very moment to guide Bowley and the Clear Lake group in terms of who they're going after, the profile players that they want, which is great to see. And to see the reception from supporters at UCLA in that first video when he was effectively introduced to the Chelsea away contingent for the first time, the way that, as Brandon kind of highlighted, all of the players within the team, whether it was Mason, Connor, even as well, have spoken about what he brings to the team, what he brings to the side. And then to see the way Raheem is talking about it too. And look, the family is such a crucial driver to all these players. And the fact that Raheem multiple times in his announcement videos talked about the fact that being back in London, being back around family, how exciting that is for him. It's possible we could get the best individual version of Raheem Sterling that has ever featured on a football pitch. I mean, we also are going to get some of the best photos of a player being introduced to Chelsea Football Club of all time. The, because of L.A.? <laughs> I mean, come on. From As far as player intro photos and videos go, those are all timers. I mean, you got him on the Sunset Strip. You got him dressed down in the in the L.A. Dodgers gear. You got him uh, in, in uh, Chavez Ravine. It's, it's a really great. Uh, marketing moment for Chelsea, and they have stuck in on some of the uh, digital assets, let's say, mm -hmm. during this time. So you're saying it's better than the Rudiger announcement video? <laughs> did, did I we, totally forgot about that. We're going to talk about the uh, Ian Matson announcement video from Burnley oh, to no, the Minions. No. We're stopping that. No. no. I don't think you can stop the internet. Brandon Danny. did Good try luck. to convince us to go to a showing of Minions, and uh, we have declined. Yep. 
He you loves know. it. Um, Koulibaly, we actually just beat him into Vegas. Sounds like he is coming straight in uh, to Las Vegas after he posted a bit of a goodbye video on social media to Napoli. Again, talk about leadership, captain of Napoli. Is he captain of the national team? He's in amongst it, if not, with Senegal. Um, you're getting two very strong leadership personalities in the locker room, one at each end of the pitch. Uh, Koulibaly, Dan, your favorite running joke is the signing that's taken six years, but we finally did it. Well, look, we have a full Koulibaly megapod that we're working on. I woke up at 7 a.m. local time after about five and a half hours of sleep to record the first two parts of that, one with someone who represents the Napoli view, one who represents the Serie A view. And in general, they are excited for Chelsea supporters. They are excited for us because of what they know he will bring to our club. And that's, I think, a testament to the type of player that we're getting. And they talked about the fact that De Laurentiis does not like to, you know, he runs it as a you know net, net zero club. He's not investing tons of his own money. So you either need to sell a player to generate the profits you need to bring someone else in. And with no likelihood he was going to renew and being on a free transfer available at the end of the year, this was going to happen. And it wasn't going to happen again within Italy, particularly to Juventus. And so even though we made that shift, Nick, from Delict, who continued to rise up in price, Chelsea have shown, or the new look Chelsea have shown, that they are very comfortable targeting a class of player, a spectrum, as you were, of defenders and saying, these are the four or five that we're going to go after. We're going to agree to terms. We're going to get down the line. And if we can't get the one, we have a couple other options that we're going to go after, which lets them move, be much more nimble when it comes to securing the signing. Exactly. I mean, that, that's been kind of the theme of this so far, right? Is you're, you're, building, you're, you're, yeah, you're building up and, and bidding on multiple different types of players. You're agreeing personal terms and you're understanding what the club values that player at, the opposition club, right? So you're able to go and say, All right, 50 million pounds for Raheem Sterling, great. 33 million pounds for Koulibaly, great. Like, we understand, like, we see the whole field, and we're going to pick that one. Um, and I think that's a really savvy changeover that seems to be happening right now. Um, I, this is a statement signing to me. It's huge. I mean, this is a player that we have been linked to, uh, I think, uh, across the years uh, numerous times. He's a giant. Um, he's a great defender, rock solid. You go watch, watch those comp videos that are coming out, and it just makes you super excited. And if you're going to lose someone like Antonio Rudiger uh, to, uh, to Real Madrid, this is a uh, as statement of a signing as you can make in replacement of that because he is legitimately someone that almost every club in Europe would want. And this is just that weird timing where De Laurentiis doesn't have the leverage that he, that he would have wanted. And we know that through negotiations with him, that's tough. So I'm really, really thrilled about this. And I think it brings back to me vibes when Chelsea were just signing captain level talents, right? A lot of leaders in the club and we're getting them for fees that are not outrageous either. And so I think it's a smart and savvy business. Bully has proven that they can learn the world of soccer very quickly and get deals done. Um, can't forget that the academy is signing players as well. Left so and right. The women's team have signed players. Left and right. So this just shows that like bully means business and they know how to get it done. We don't feel like they're getting rinsed. Like maybe a Man United are by Ajax single-handedly. Uh, completely rinsed. 
Uh, so uh, what that does mean is we kind of talk about this. Sounds like Nathan Ake is now out of the picture. Yep. There's a lot of concern about um, a bit of a red herring tweet from Fabrizio about Levi Colwell. Sounds like it has not been decided that he wants to leave. He wants to see how preseason goes. But he understandably is wants to know what kind of the plans are for the team. Um, I think, Dan, you had put out there, we kind of figured that even if a Kempembe or an Upamakano comes in, we're still assuming Aspilicueta is going to leave. Yep. That's three in, three out. It's essentially no different from Colwell. You assume that Colwell would jump ahead of Sar in the depth chart right away. Sar, I think I pulled it. He was at about 5, 12 to 1,500 minutes, 1500 last, minutes season. last season. Exactly. So uh, Ake out. Sounds like Kempembe or Upamakano and Cole are still in the, the line of fire. So um, just talking about Ake, there's a lot of fans. That was a hard pill to swallow. Paying Man City $40 million for Ake, who we let go to Bournemouth. We sold, but then we immediately ripped off Tamori, ripped off Mark Gurhi, now ripped off who is the next one. In terms of like play, like Lieberminto selling defenders just in general yeah. and center backs, right? We're gonna like, oh, now Cole will again just to have to buy him back later. <laughs> so I think oh. Ake had a little bit of not his fault, but like resentment from the Chelsea fans because of the factory of departures from the defensive unit in the academy. It was a super assumptive tweet, and I think that Fabricio gets a lot right. And the here we goes happen, he gets the algorithm right. Yes, yes, he's, sure does. he's very good with the algorithm. But it was assumptive as to what was going to happen next for Levi Cowell because everything I think that we have heard, and you know, I don't think that we claim to be in the know, but we are at least affiliated enough with people in and around the organization to understand where he views himself, where his family views himself. And it's really about an assurance. And it's an assurance to feature and to get time. And across 60-plus games this season, as we go on to win multiple trophies and win the Champions League again, there will be minutes, underline, there will be minutes for Levi Cowell to go out and get this opportunity. And I think in that regard, Nick, when you look at the fact that is leaving, Christensen's left, Rudiger's left, there are going to be minutes. And then if Saar moves on, there's still opportunity to bring in not just Kimbembe, potentially Kunde. And then Levi Kowal still gets an opportunity to play and feature at a high level. And then you don't know what happens with Thiago Silva next season. This is about getting back to future planning in a way that we haven't in a very, very long time and getting it right as it relates to adding talent where you need, but then also grooming the, the grooming really that talent from within. And that's what Tuchel talked about in the interview the other day is that like it is important to lean on what the what Cobham is producing in addition to these signings. Yeah, so there's like three things happening here, right? There is the signing part of this, which of course, if you're going to already have lost two defenders and and likely a third, you're going to need to pick some people up. That's just like the natural order of things. Levi Colwell can't play three different positions in one game, right? So let's just leave it at that. But the second thing is, especially with Ake, I found myself really turned off by Chelsea Twitter this week. Like Nathan Ake is a good player. He plays for fucking Man City. Like, he's not coming from the championship back to Chelsea for 45 million pounds, right? Like, that wasn't never the case. You can feel a way that you want to about him, but I think it was just shameful the way that Chelsea fans were so dismissive of him and then celebrating the fact that he wasn't coming back. He's a good fucking player. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's not the player that you want, but it's just, like, really shitty and... 
conniving to me and like whatever. That's just my take. It on wouldn't it. have happened because Tuchel wants him. And again, if you're like, oh, in Tuchel we trust, which most of Chelsea Twitter are, but then it's again, it's that that exit revolving door of like sending them out, then like them buying them back later. But this is one of your former own. This isn't like agree. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just a little different to me. But but then you roll on to Colwell, which is the other thing. The minutes are there. We've talked about this, right? The minutes are definitely there, whether it's uh, cup competitions or the inevitability that one of our central defenders gets injured for a period of time, like it was last year. Like, I think this is one of those things that we all have to be smart about as, as broadcasters here, but then also try and like bring the fan base along to that this player is 18 years old, right? Yeah, and I think the fact that you're not going after a delict or someone young in that profile shows me that maybe that is the the play, right? Use him as that auxiliary player for as as long as you can, or use him as a starter if someone gets injured, and just keep going. And the fact that like a Kempembe comes in doesn't change that scenario. Well, the other thing that you can keep in the forefront of your mind. So Ian Matson just went in on loan to Burnley. He's going to be operating under company, which is really cool. Great opportunity to learn from there. Great opportunity to challenge for getting back into the Premier League this season in the championship. I know he has spent time there uh, before as well. So it's I really hope he doesn't, by the way. I hope they yeah, don't. I, do I know. I know we like to make fun of Burnley and we do it quite frequently. But for Ian Matson's benefit, I would be okay if Burnley got back into the championship. That's the only reason I would be happy about no. it, Nick. But it did not include an option to buy. It was a straight-up loan and gives them an opportunity to come back, which shows me that there are signs that this Todd Bowley, new-look Chelsea, is thinking about a longer-term strategy versus the sell, get a buyback fee, and then basically fund the fund their development outside of Chelsea to free up some space within our roster. This, to me, feels like it's more predicating a future state where we're going to do more of these direct loans with young players to very, very opportunistic loans to get them to a point where they need to be so that they can assist the team fully. Yeah, and I would say the difference between Matson and Colwell to me is that if you keep Emerson, which we haven't really heard anything about, to be fair, like we don't know where the, the left-back scenario is going this year or left-wing-back, depending on how you're formational preferences go, um, then Monson doesn't really have a pathway, right? Cole will, if they stick with a three, definitely has a pathway. If they stick with a two, it becomes a little harder, right? So I really think a lot of this talk, Brandon, to me, is, is focused around the formation, how Tuchel lines up, what his uh, needs are from those roles, because we all know that two uh, pairing of two in the middle of a four is a lot different of a responsibility than it, mm -hmm. you know having a sweeper and two complementary center backs on the on each side to clean up any messes or you know if you're looking at Thiago Silva being that sweeper having people who are a little bit more athletic around him to help cover right so I think all of these things really matter and it needs to be contextualized when you talk about young players that there needs to be opportunity I think there's minutes it just depends on where that opportunity comes in. Um, yeah, for sure. And I think obviously to your point, one of the questions that we had built in the script was, will we see the back four? Yes or no type of situation. I think you're probably one signing too early to tell, like signing Koulibaly doesn't tell you one way or another. If the next defensive signing that we do, cause obviously Tuchel's talked openly about it. Uh, assuming it's a center back of some sort will tell us very quickly 
Is it going to be a back four or is it going to be a back three? Jules Koundé, it's going to be back three. I think that the other thing to keep in mind is we get so caught up on this concept of formations, back four, back three, and Tuchel's attack and defense has some very amorphous qualities to it where sometimes there's five in defense, there's sometimes two people or one person in defense because we're so pushed up against a team that's defending 10 in total in the box on plus their goalkeeper. And yes, it will dictate who gets an appearance on the pitch. But if it is a Kunde, you could expect most likely we will definitely see a four or a what will line up as a four, but will morph when the match actually takes place. Or if you see Kembembe first, that to me is probably more indicative of just more that the deals are further down the line, Nick, and that we found an agreement, less so than what the actual setup is going to be. Yeah, so two thoughts on this. Like The first thought, I think, is that you know that Thiago Silva is not going to be able to play forever, even though he no, has. No, stop. I disagree with that. I'm sorry. There's no proof point currently that you are <laughs> right in what you're saying. Uh, so you're maybe planning a little bit in the future, right? Um, but the second thing is... The year is 2033. And Tiago Silva has won his eighth Champions League at Chelsea. Chelsea. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the second thing that we also realize is that, yes, I agree, the amorphous blob is is very true, especially as, as you move forward in the field, right? Those wing backs and those front three are a lot more amorphous to me than the back. But um, I think the, the position that dictates whether or not we play in a four or a three is the midfield. And right now, we don't have a... CDM that I think is capable of sitting back and covering for maybe, you know, let's be honest, a slower Tiago Silva and a Koulibaly that isn't 26 anymore. So, you know, let's think about that as, as, you, as you move forward in your formational responsibilities. I think we're staying in the three this year, personally. It'll make the transition easier because then you don't have to teach a whole new system and bring in a handful of new players. Uh, if you look at it, Kimpembe played in a back four exclusively last season for PSG. Um, Sevilla with Jules Koundé, they were like 80% of the time in a back four, but they at least did play back three sometimes as well. Back three, back five, whatever you want to call it. So, you know, for whatever you want to say on that sense, you know, there's some positional flexibility. I think, Nick, you have a really good point on the midfield being a big factor because you I think Tuchel, and we saw Antonio Conte do this, you got to play to who you have in the team. And I think Tuchel, he would tell anyone, I can play back three or I can play back four. He goes, it doesn't matter to me. I can teach those systems. And I think he's proven that he can be successful in both of those systems. Um, what it comes down to is the team and exactly that. When we won the Champions League under Thomas Tuchel, you had a perfectly healthy N'Golo Conte. You had a Jorginho playing out of his mind discipline the backline step to everything i think i think uh what was it mendy was seeing one to maybe two shots on goal a game it was just shut down central the midfield was so so crucial to that and we lost it last season Jorginho played a million matches getting to the euro finals um he was absolutely shattered and golacante's injury concerns were back we had ruben off his cheek kind of in and out kovacic was on his own we had a lot of issues there so again we always talk about a Declan Rice. I mean, he provides so much tactical flexibility. You could maybe play with one, two and a half in the back and just push everyone forward. Well, yeah, because he can flex back into a center back role. Shame. I think the sneaky one is still Ethan Ampadu because he's had a chance to play in kind of every type of position, whether it's a center back, whether it's a wing back, whether it's in a defensive mid type of position. Yeah. I think he's one that I would look at if 
we don't get Declan Rice and you're looking at where do you find someone who's going to give you that tactical flexibility, maybe. I know it's not the same in terms of the skill set and ability of Ethan currently today versus Declan in terms of a you know, plug and play. But that's probably the one where if Tuchel is going down that route, I would think it there. But but I think the point that you made, Brandon, that I maybe have a question mark around is it's going to be hard to transition to getting this team scoring 20 to 30 more goals a season in totality, and it has to go back to a defense and where we're winning 1-0, 2-0 every game. Like that has, like versus being as sloppy maybe as we were last year where we started leaking goals a little bit more regularly. Yeah, bring me back to the to the January to May Tuchel timeline, <laughs> I, you know, where you were just not giving away anything. I mean, it's impossible for the other team to win if they have two shots on goal and and then you have Big Mendy back there saving them, right? Um, th- that is, you know, as we look to close that significant points gap in the Premier League to City and Liverpool, th- that I think needs to be the foundation of our identity. It's something that Chelsea can and should do uh, is to be impossible to play against. Then you have enough attacking talent in the front, either with the wingbacks who, you know, chill well back, let's go, um, and Reese James, obviously, and then, you know, with your Raheem Sterlings and your and your Kai Havertz and Pool Six, et cetera, that you should be able to score enough goals to win matches more frequently than not. Yeah, we're going to see some interesting, I think, out-of-position movements in this preseason. We'll kind of get into that, but just to remind everyone, look, you've got Alonzo, You've got uh, Chilwell, you've got Kennedy, and Palmieri, who all can play in that position. Kennedy, let's go. On the right Sar. side, you can maybe even throw in Malang Sar, maybe if you really wanted to. Uh, on the other side, though, you really just have Reese James and Aspi Laqueta. A lot a lot more minutes for them. Dujon, maybe? A little Dujon Sterling in there? Did uh, pull up injured in the yeah. preseason training. And I'm just talking about who's here in Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Now, the midfield, you talk about formation. You got Ross Barkley. Connor Gallagher, Billy Gilmore, Jorginho, Mateo Kovacic, Mason Mount is now listed as a midfielder for Chelsea. Hmm. And then Harvey Vale, who's also listed as a midfielder. Uh, if you put two in the middle, uh, there's not a lot of coverage amongst any of those names. Connor, obviously, being the biggest battle of the group. Uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek not making it. So we'll have to see what happens. There's some really interesting things. I think Chalaba might have to step in. Um, you would maybe hope that... Uh, Ethan Ampadu gets some time in there, but uh, I think we're going to see some really weird lineups, especially in the second half of these matches when the guys are only playing about 45 minutes and just go, that is a weird look, but it's an opportunity for players to shine and just to say, because they always go, I'll play wherever the coach needs me. Guess what? You're going to get a test in that because you're going into a spot you've not played in years. I mean, that midfield group is so odd. From like, if you're looking at like a, a CDM, right? If you're looking to maybe there make are none. The, I mean, I think Billy and Ethan are probably your two closest, but I wouldn't categorize either one of them as like a stout CDM that's able to break up play. I think they're both passing CDMs. You know, Ethan really does get in with tackles. There's no doubt about that. But you know, I think Dan, if you're looking to transition to a four, it would have to almost be a four-two-three-one and not a four-three-three with that group. I think that we will get a chance to see in the next three games some of the most abstract 11s that we have ever seen Thomas no Tuchel. Doubt. This There's is no uh, Thomas Tuchel's blue phase, as it were, and he's getting an opportunity to really explore with 
what it is that he puts out on the pitch for us. And I think the exciting thing is that there is this balance of talented acquisitions coming in, in addition to youth players that we've had a chance to see impress on loan yeah. and players from Cobham that have grown into the first team, have secured a spot and are finding success. How that all mixes together, that's the question for Thomas Tuchel to answer during the preseason. I mean, I don't know. I, I look at that group and I'm like, can we win the Florida Cup? Yeah, I think that's the really, FC Series Cup. Yeah, and exactly. we really do it. That's you know? what everyone's worried about. <laughs> uh, but that's a good point for us to stop and take our break. Uh, we get back. We're going to talk about what we expect out of preseason. Who do we think will impress the most? Uh, we're hoping to have Matt and Naz with us. So, anyways, um, thank you to sponsors for supporting the show, especially as we sit in the Blue Wire Studio. Hi-o. Who help us with our sponsors and our ads? Uh, thank you to them for supporting the show, and we'll be right back. All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well. It's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in. You know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and, and fat. And now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable, resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging all of the things again i do it it's easy it's fast it's quick uh throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work drink it 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 goes down quickly uh and like i said you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily uh but hey don't listen to me athletic greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews it's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as tim Ferriss and michael gervais so right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day that's it no need for a million different pills supplements to look out for your gut health to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say, give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Chelsea fans, coming out of the break, uh, we got a little bit of a change. We still got Dan, we still got Nick, but uh, we found a couple of jokers at the slot <laughs> machines, and we got Naz and Matt Lodge joining us. Uh, welcome to Vegas. How are you guys? Do you guys fresh off the plane from LA? That's right. We're off the plane, but we're not fresh. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're feeling LA a little bit. We're feeling LA, but this is this has perked me right up. This is amazing. Yeah. I'm used to talking to you guys from a bedroom at home. <laughs> now we're in the studio. Fantastic. Yeah, a lot more lights that will really make sure you guys are awake and engaged. <laughs> um, but since we have them, Dan, we figured it'd be good to talk to them a little bit about summer tour. It's obviously been quite a while with the pandemic and everything that Chelsea and teams have been able to do this. Um, and obviously what they think about our, our brand new studio. Well, they don't have to go in deep on the studio because I think we have wax poetic about it. Quite enough, but just, you know, looking at you two who are uh, coming in fresh off the plane, fresh off of checking into your hotel, you've had a chance to be in LA, be around the club, be around the start of the bully era, the real start of the bully era. What are some of your initial early tour observations? 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, they were very, um, it felt very open, you know, coming into the training camps and stuff. So we did like a, an open training session where we, you know, watched the team train. You know, there wasn't much um, tactical stuff going on, but what was interesting was that, you know, we saw like the Clear Lake Capital guys around who just bought Chelsea FC and they were, you know, very, you know, engaging and, and nice people. So, um, yeah, we got like an introduction into that and, and you know, it's a bit of a change because it's, uh, it's almost like a culture change because... Um, that kind of thing didn't used to happen, you know, to us, you know, we wouldn't, wouldn't see the people running Chelsea around so much. So, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. And, and yeah, you know, the team, they, they all seem to be quite together. You know, the group, are, uh, you know, all, all very friends, all very close, been together for a while. Um, Raheem Sterling's joined the group as well. So that, that's been really nice. So yeah, we've had a bit of a feel for it like that. And, and, you know, we've been in the Hollywood Hills, haven't we as well with the team hotel, which is, is really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I found it really interesting. And on the first training session we went to at the UCLA campus, it was really relaxed. We were just sort of hanging out by the side of the pitch. Like Nis says, in terms of the training, there wasn't a lot to analyse. It was just fitness work. But, um, you know, Jose Feliciano from Clear Lake literally just rocked over, stood having a chat with us for about 20 minutes, scared the pants off the Chelsea press office. Who he knew who Matt was and... as well. He knew who Matt was, so that was, that was nice for him. <laughs> but... Um, he was just like really relaxed and friendly, chewing the fat a little bit, joking around a little bit. That was great. And then we've had sort of meetings and, and stuff with the other owners. We've seen Todd for the first time. Yeah. You know, I, I never met Roman Abramovich. And, you know, within a, a month of, of Todd Bowley coming in, we've now met Todd mm. and spent time with him. Uh, it was all off the record, so I can't really say a lot about what we talked about. But again, really relaxed, really friendly. But Dad Barley as well, yeah. very, very friendly guy. They just want to sort of get to know people, make relationships, make connections. So um, yeah, it's been it's been really good so far. It seems like you guys have had player access. You got to sit down, chat with some of the guys. Yeah, I mean we've we've had some sort of mixed zone access at the UCLA campus, and then we've got to sit down. We've done separate interviews actually, because the without boring the mechanics of the national papers get different players to the the websites and and as of now at the London Standard. So. Um, we we sat down and spent quite a lot of time with Conor Gallagher, mm-hmm. who's actually super super confident lad and, and relaxed and engaging. And I was impressed with him actually. He's come on a lot. Um, and I, I think you sat down with Mason Mount for quite a yeah, while. Yeah, Mason you? Mount. Yeah, and then we had um, Jorginho and Edward Mendy as well. Yeah, Mount. We all know what Mason Mount's like. He's um, you know a regular. <laughs> you can get him to talk about anything you want, but. Um, yeah, it's just great. And, and, you know, in that environment as well, like, you know, it's you're in L.A. and the players are really happy. They've got time. They're all together in a camp. So it kind of gives you like a slow feel. It, you feel like you can explore subjects maybe in a bit more depth and, and things like that. And, and yeah, you know, the story of Mason was missing the FA Cup final penalty and, and overcoming that and, and what the next season is going to bring with the new owners. And who better to talk about that than somebody who is going to become a star player or should be at the forefront of Chelsea for the next 10 years. I guess one of the questions that I would have for you guys is there was a lot made of the the players that came back early to Cobham to train, right, who might not have been doing international football like Cal Munson-Odoi, for example, who's coming back yeah. from injury. What are your early thoughts on on those players who, you know, might have had a little bit of a jump start on on some of the summer camp? I think for, for those players, this tour is probably more important than for the, what you call the established players. Yeah. This is their chance. The established players, this is just about fitness. This is just about getting ready. Tuchel talks about loads a lot, getting the right load for the players. Um, 
What? But for the for the other guys who you were just mentioning, who came in early, you haven't had the international who are sort of on the fringe, been on the fringe of the team, have got something to prove. That's that's for me. That's the interesting part of the tours. I don't find the tour that interesting for the established guys. I don't really make any judgments on them. I think it's pointless. But the guys who've got something to prove, you know, Hudson Adoy, obviously Conor Gallagher, who I just mentioned, Brozier, if he can get some minutes, Levi Colwell, those guys are going to be fascinating this tour because that they're the guys who can actually sort of win something out of it. And we saw what happened with Trevor Chalabar last season, last year. You know, the two calls proved that if you catch his eye, even if you don't, we don't think they can force a way in, you can, you can surprise people. Yeah. There's loads of guys like that as well, isn't there? There's just, you know, there's a there's a huge extensive group. group. You know, we spoke to Thomas Tuchel as well um, quite extensively and he's name dropping all these guys in the squad that haven't been around, you know, even Michi Batshuayi got a name, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's um, it, that's one of the narratives that you follow and, um, yeah, you know, we saw Ben Chilwell as well. Um, we've had access to him and he was he was speaking about how he's got himself, you know, back fit and, and has lofty aims of, of being in, in sort of the World Cup squad being the starting left back for England at the World Cup. And, um, you know, there's loads of those kind of stories. Yeah, Hudson Odoi is an interesting one. You know, he's been really working on his fitness. I think Chelsea actually held him back a lot at the end of last season. He could have played some games, but they just thought, get your body right, get ready for this season. And and we're all waiting for the potential there because that could be, you know, a while ago, I think a lot of us thought this could be a £100 million football. This is one of the best young players in the world. Can he, can he get to that status again? Can he have a full season fit? Um, you know, just before he got injured, you know, he, he kind of lost his, you know, he was kind of doing well, sorry, um, you know, in that February period. So it was a shame. Um, so, yeah, there's loads of stories like that that we're, we're kind of excited to tell. That's our jobs. I mean, the, the, the roster is quite interesting, as mm-hmm. we've talked about. Um, but, yeah, Ethan Ampadu obviously is, is right on that edge, that, that bubble. Billy Gilmore, we're really excited to have him back. So he was going to do Harvey Vales with the group, yeah. um, as well as some of the other players like a, you know, Mishi Batshuayi, and you're kind of like, oh yeah, you're 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 still payroll. a Chelsea player. I get that. <laughs> huh. Good to see that Gennaro Gattuso wants to bring Bakayoko back to him. So <laughs> we'll see if that happens. Um, but anyways, Nick, you, you know these guys are talking about Bully and and Igbadi and, and and the guys yeah. that are running it. It's crazy. To your point, like the closest we've got to Roman was actually it was in the it was in Boston, just in the tunnels. He walked by. Right. I count. I I essentially met him as far as we're concerned. <laughs> like we're calling that good as gold. Um, but they've gotten FaceTime. We've seen Bully be really open with uh, a lot of access and things like that. Yeah, we saw that photo, I think it was published yesterday, of him addressing the whole team, yeah. it looked like. And it was like major stepdad energy. Um, but yeah, I guess... Oh, no, it's not stepdad. It's dad. He owns the team now. He is the father figure. Father of Chelsea. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, what, what are your... What are your thoughts on on just the way that he's going about the business side of this so yeah. far? I mean, that's one thing that we talked about in the early, earlier part of the show yeah. is, you know, it seems like things are finally in a spot where they're moving. Yeah, I mean, he 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 uh, he looked tired. I've got to say, mm-hmm. so Get did lags. Thomas Tuchel. All, they, they all both, those dinners. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, uh, they, so did Thomas Tuchel. They both looked tired because I think there's an awful lot of work going on in the background between them. Tuchel talks about that he's talking to to Bowley more than once a day, um, and I think it's pretty intense at the moment. And you could tell they've been, uh, yeah, they've been burning the midnight oil on, on the transfers and things like that. So, yeah, he, he, um, he, he's kind of what I thought he'd be. He's kind of, no airs or graces to him. You don't feel like you're talking to a billionaire. You don't feel like you're talking to someone who's super important. You, 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 you kind of feel on an even keel as such and, and that you can just have a chat without feeling intimidated. 
I mean, he, he's making it very, very obvious, um, for now at least, that he wants to be front and centre. You know, every pitcher, he's in the picture with Raheem, he's chatting to Raheem, as you say, he's addressing the group. I thought it was really interesting when they announced Raheem that there were Bowley quotes in there and not actually Thomas Tuchel quotes in that first initial statement. I think that's showing who's who's sort of number one, let's say. You know, it used to we used to, got used to Marina being in all those things and I was quite interested to see what they did with that. So, um, yeah, he and he has been front and centre, hasn't he? I mean, he yeah. is he is the face of the ownership. I mean, Burhead of Burley has been around. I think he's probably doing a bit more than we've given credit for, actually. He's involved in a lot of the, the transfer yeah. chats, I'm told, and, and probably more involved than we've actually reported um, for now. And then there's the other people around the edges of it. But, yeah, it's, it, it feels like it's all about Todd Bowley a little bit. Yeah. And there's been a lot of merging, hasn't there? You know, we've seen everyone go go over to the Dodgers a lot, We've seen on the the, uh, the Twitter pages and the social media that they're doing a lot of, of merging Chelsea with the Dodgers and that. I think that's a real sign of where things are going to go with, with with Chelsea now. Yeah, what the Dodgers have done with their stadium and the marketing and stuff like that, you know, they, they put a picture of Raheem Sterling on the stadium. Expect things like that at Stamford Bridge. They're already planning some changes just for the first home game of the season uh, against Tottenham, so a big one as well. Um, so I think fans will see differences right away when the season starts, but... I think right now everyone's just focusing on football, the football operation, the men's first team. That's what pays the bills. Uh, that's what keeps the lights on at Stamford Bridge. So they, they really want to get the transfer window right. Um, you know, and, and that's where I think a huge amount of focus of Todd Bowley is. Like He is contacting agents, agents contacting him. Uh, Tom Tuchel is in, in contact. They've got analysts. They've got um, you know scouts looking at stuff and they're going through the data and all that. So... Um, yeah, I mean it's 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 intense, and he doesn't you know he didn't doesn't really know the business, but he secured two good players. You know, he's good Raheem Sterling and Khalidou Koulibaly. It's quite impressive that an individual outside of football has been able to achieve this, and that's what Todd Bowley's done as the interim sporting director, which he appointed himself, by the way. Um, so <laughs> well, yeah, it's quite cool. Again, when when you own the club, you can do fun stuff like that. Uh, one quick stupid question: Is baseball popular in the UK? Not at all. No. Yeah, so. we have cricket. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I knew that. I just can't imagine. There's not like, much crossover, you know. In the UK, yeah. you, you, there's crossover. There's people who like. There's there's a large following of NFL. There's a large following of basketball. Baseball's probably the American sport that really hasn't yeah. got that. That makes sense. Um, and then as you're talking about it, like he's proven that the club are he's either listening to people inside. He's a prudent businessman, but we've signed academy players. We've signed women's players. And now, to your point, Aurelio De Laurentiis, one of the, like, the worst people to negotiate with, and it seemed like he didn't even bat an eye. They're just like, here's the money. He goes, okay, all, all good. Like, Dan, I'm more shocked than anything. It, it, like The ease, it seems like, this are coming off because the women's team are securing big names. The youth team are securing big names, and even the men's first team are securing big names. Uh, when you also construct one of the biggest deals ever in baseball for the purchase of a player, I feel like you understand the complexities of purchasing or buying talent. So it, it, to me, it you know, to you guys, maybe this, would you agree, is that there is a replicatable behavior to what he's done and what he's picked up in operating in U.S. sports and how he's able to play that into, even an area where he might not have the same expertise, that that same almost mental memory that he can call upon is actually just being leveraged to the maximum right now. Yeah, I mean, that, it, that that's definitely true. I mean, it hasn't necessarily worked out probably quite as he thought, because I think in the early weeks of the, when he came in trying to do the transfers, he was trying to do a lot of player trades. 
um, which is something that's I think a lot more popular in, in American sport. And I think yes. I think quite quickly he found that doing player trades in, in football is really, really tough. Um, so things were kind of falling around and taking a lot longer with him trying to trade players and it not really working out. The, the, I mean, the other thing I would say is he's showing his mean business because he's got those two deals done, but he's he's kind of thrown money at it. I mean, you know, Raheem Sterling, I think in normal circumstances would be worth 50 million pounds, but to pay 50 million pounds for a player with one year left on his contract, and I'm told the bonuses attached to his sort of base contracts are very, very large and could push him into the top three earners of the Premier League were he to achieve his bonuses. Mm. Um, so that's a, a big commitment as well. And then on Koulibaly, I agree. I was shocked that we didn't have a Willy Wonty with the Napoli owner. But again, 34 million for a 31-year-old with one year left on his country. That's big money. And he's given him a four, potentially plus one deal for a 31-year-old. Again, massive commitment that they wouldn't have done in the past. So to get deals done, he might be overpaying slightly, I would say, on on, on deals and, and contracts. Um, but they're, they're in a situation to catch up where they probably have to do that. Yeah, Raheem on three hundred thousand a week, highest earner. So there, there's definitely money involved for sure, and and I believe the phrase is uh, money talks. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Mm. Well, that's good to know. Matt Naz, thanks for joining us. Welcome to. Thanks for having an us. Amazing. It's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting. This is only the first part though, because we are going right from here to the pub. To the pub <laughs> to get a beer first, and then to do yeah. another to do another live show. This one was in front of uh, you know ten wonderful listeners, but we've got about one hundred fifty people I think signed up to uh, get a chance to hear a little bit more from us. Yeah, so first of many, uh, we'll be hanging out with them throughout the tour. But uh, hope you all enjoyed it. We have absolutely loved our time here at the Blue yeah. Wire Studio. You will see a lot of stuff on social probably by the time this comes out. Um, but again, the fact that uh, we could have Matt and Naz here to kind of show them that we are. Uh, not always podcasting from our mom's basement. We are legitimate, <laughs> I think, is, is good for us. But uh, anyways, listeners, much, much more content to come. We're really excited to bring more uh, throughout the Chelsea Tour. We're going to be live uh, with Ishan, putting out a ton of content and audio. So tune in, engage. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.